Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to The Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and most of all, thank you for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Really is appreciated. If you want to get involved in the conversation, please follow me on Twitter. I'm at jbeardmore. This podcast is at The Rugby Dungeon, and of course, there's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the world's biggest rugby podcast now every Monday without fail. Anyway, today's guest, a little bit unusual. It's an individual that has not played rugby, or not that I know of, does not coach rugby, does not write about rugby even, but he does own a rugby team. So, without making you wait any further, this is my interview with Simon Orange. Right, well I'm well I'm here in, in the Mere Golf Club, in the rather salubrious surroundings, I must say, joined by Mr Simon Orange. How are you, Simon? I'm good, thanks, Johnny. I'm good. Uh, so, are you a bit of a golfer yourself? I am. Well, I used to be a reasonably good golfer, but I'm a bit rubbish now, I'm afraid. How is your handicap? Uh, I'm playing off nine these days. Oh, nice. So, you're obviously a successful guy, but success doesn't come from just sitting around in golf clubs. So, what would your normal day be like? Thank you. Uh, black coffee, please, yeah. Um, well, Corpac buys successful businesses with good management teams in place. Okay. So, as long as we do that part right, the rest of our life is is easier. So, so you just mentioned Corpac there. For, for our listeners, what is what is Corpac and what's your so, relationship? So, so Corpac's, I'm the majority shareholder in Corpac, which is basically an investment company. We, we buy, I think we own 23 or, or the majority of 23 businesses. Uh, and it's, 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 Corpac is just particular, it's a holding company, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it made sense initially for us to put this in Corpac. Uh, if it's successful, Corpac will benefit. The truth of the matter is, if it's not successful, I don't want Corpac shareholders to be suffering it. I would probably take over this personally. Ah, okay. So if Corpac can win, but not lose, and either way, sales should win, hopefully. What was your first ever deal at Corpac? What was your first holding? So we started in 2006, and we bought a company called Regency Glass. A uh, very successful little glass business. We sold it recently to the to the one of the brothers we bought it from. Oh, uh, and in fact, I'm now a shareholder with him in that business, just because he didn't want to compete. He wanted to come back to the UK. He wanted to build a glass business. Didn't want to compete with us or his own family business. Neither did we want him competing. To be fair, mm-hmm. so we just agreed a deal. How long have you been doing this for? So I retired initially in 2000, uh, and not with millions, uh, but I'd had enough of work. 
Now, with, sorry, you say retired. Yep. But I'm looking at you now, full full head of hair, holding up retirement age. <laughs> That's very nice of you, thank you. No, no, I was pretty young to retire. So in 2000, I was 32 or 33, I think. Uh, but as I say, I wasn't retiring with a load of money. It's just because I didn't like work, or, or so I thought. Mm -hmm. Within weeks, I realised retirement was not the best thing in the world to do at a young age so I looked around and did various different things Did you reinvent the way that you're working? I did, yeah, massively so 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 I did some property investment um, lost money there apparently it turns out you need to know what you're doing <laughs> which I didn't um, We, uh, I, I uh, started a bar and restaurant in Hale which was the most successful bar and restaurant in Hale in terms of people going in Still didn't make money. That's, you need to know what you're doing there yep. as well. Uh, but one of the other things I did was I bought um, an established... Um, I, I, I keep being told off being called boring, but, but just a steady business. I bought it as an income, really. The bank funded 70% of it. I put the rest of the money in, and uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. Wow. So what were you doing before the first retirement? So we... we very, I, was, I was an employee and then became a shareholder of... A, of um, an angel investor type business so they would invest in people or new ideas or new businesses mm -hmm. and, and help grow those businesses and that is tough and we did well out of it but it's really really tough even when you've got a successful business dealing with inventors or people who haven't had experience before and then trying to trying to professionalize those people is tough and that's when it goes well uh, is this like sort of a, a titans investments or a bct type operation no no, no bct is just a is, is a is a tax phrase really it's angel investor it's calling so if you had a night if you came to me and you'd invented um a new product that opened beer bottles yeah for argument's sake and i thought it was a good idea and you needed half a million quid to get a production facility and marketing and get it off the ground if I thought it was a good idea, I'd put the money up, I'd take a big share of the business, and we'd, we'd succeed or fail together. Oh, excellent. So what's your view on, uh, on rugby podcasting? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, about <laughs> rugby as a business is struggling to um, wipe its feet. So I think podcasting is going to be way behind there. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if this is going to make you rich for a while, but I'm just going to change places yes. because I don't like the uh, sun in my eyes. All oh, right, OK. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't know if you've got a day job, but I'm not sure I'll be giving that up for this. I do. Um, so, as an investor, then, if you have certain key things to look for when you invest your money, and more importantly, I guess, your shareholder, uh, shareholders' money. Yeah, um, we, we look we, we generally, and, and to be fair, the reason I'm here is sale. That's probably slightly different than uh, than, than our normal investment. But generally, we look for a solid successful business with a good management team in place yeah. individually the management team is the most important aspect of what we do because we don't want to be running these businesses uh, we, we want to invest in good management teams who run them and usually you find if a business has been successful for 20 years the management in place a while and they are good and they know what they're doing so uh, yeah I was going to say that must be very important to you because when you've got 28 different businesses it's very very hard to Unless we, Sorry, unless, unless we just bought five, um, yes, it is, and that's why we have to buy. We have to buy good, successful businesses because we can't. We can monitor. That's 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 easy. But if we have to get involved, uh, if they have problems and their management can't handle those problems themselves, then it becomes difficult for us. I think Corpac only employs about fifteen people. 
uh, and we've got, we've got, as I say, 23 businesses, about 250 million turnover. So if we had to get involved in all of them, we couldn't do it. Yeah. So we have to choose the right businesses and the right management teams at the beginning. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, rugby is struggling to, to wipe its feet. Yep. A, a view I think a lot of people would agree with you with. So what made you become interested in owning a sports team? Well, I think rugby and, and perhaps people before me thought the same thing and, and it hasn't worked out, so I, I, no, there's no guarantees that I'm right this time, but I think it's turned a corner. Um, I think there was a new TV deal being agreed, there's more money coming into the game from the RFU and Premier Rugby and TV, and I think if you run a rugby club properly, you, you can definitely make it profitable yeah. as well as exceptionally enjoyable. Uh, I, I think some of the owners have been guilty and are still being guilty of throwing money in, which very rarely lasts forever. Yeah. Everybody gets sick and tired of that eventually. Um, there are other clubs that are taking on massive debt and bonds, and I think they're definitely going to come unstuck because this this it's never going to be. I mean, if we get sale to be making a million or two million a year, I, I well, think we'll have deserved a, a medal. Yeah, that'd be pretty much. Um, Unprecedented. It, it would, yeah. Well, I mean, Exeter do pretty well now. Leicester have always made money, and, and I know they're different types of clubs to sell. But mm. I think we can build um, with the way Steve runs the squad. We run a tight squad, which for various reasons we think is better yep. than having 60 players, like say, like Bristol did last year. Um, we run a tight squad. We pay as well as everybody else. We just have fewer players yeah. playing for us. Um, and if we can start winning rugby, I think that'll help us. Get the, get the ground full and bring the crowds back uh, and if we do that the business will be successful and self-sustaining profitability will be a, will be a bonus but I mean, this is a real key thing isn't it profitability because obviously you've got a, a commitment to its core pack but if you ever spend any amount of time with Steve Diamond if he tells you one thing it will be sale are profitable or they're going to be profitable. Yes, this, yeah. If he tells you sell are profitable, then he's not telling you the truth. And he's, uh, he's a number of things, but I don't think he's a liar. He's certainly not that. No. Um, sale, lose, I think... I think, if in terms of profitability, sale might be third or fourth in the league. Right? Which means they lose less than most of the other teams. Yeah. So, so that is right. Uh, I think we can get sale... Jed and I have decided... We're going to invest in the team because the secret to sales sustainability is filling the stadium, yep. filling the crowd. Uh, we're working on, on buying the stadium. If we don't buy that stadium, then we're also looking at alternatives of building our own stadium because we have to control our stadium. Yeah. And if we can give the fans a great experience and play winning rugby, I think we can we can we can fill we can get ten or twelve thousand people That's to a game as we did at Stockport. If we can do that we can fund a team capable of being at the top of the Premiership and of Europe for that matter. Excellent. So, so before you took control of Sale then, what was your overall view as uh, of rugby as, as an industry? Well, as an industry, I think it's, it's struggled. Um, I think the, the game appeals to a minority of people in the UK. Until I was 25 years old, I'd never watched a game of rugby. It was just a lot of men running into each other. Yeah. Um, come from a place called Withinshaw which is a, a rather unsalubrious <laughs> council estate south of Manchester and, and you just didn't play rugby it was a, it was a posh boy sport 
Uh, about 25 years ago, Steve Smith, actually, who's a pal of mine, took me down to sail, watched it and explained the rules as we went. And, and honestly, within two or three games of understanding, of understanding or having some understanding, it's the best game in the world. Oh, it's just the best game in the world. I've, 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 I struggled to watch football for a number of years. Now I don't watch it at all. Uh, and where you see the defenders for 10 minutes at a time passing the ball sideways to each other. Whereas in rugby, it's you're going forward or you're defending monsters going forward. It's just a fantastic sport to watch. And, and I think if you could somehow explain the rules to the majority of the people in the UK, it would be the, it would probably be, well, I don't know if it's ever going to compete with football, but it would be a much more popular sport than it is because it's just a fantastic game, isn't it? Oh, I mean... The danger is when you make it too simplistic, it might turn into rugby league. And rugby league is a wonderful game in its own yeah. right. I mean, it's. Oh no, no, I don't want to make it simplistic. In fact, the truth be known, the the, the um, it's a scrummaging, yes, yeah, scrummaging is is known as the, or is being viewed as the worst part of the game because it slows the game down, and there's not a lot of action going. And the perception is the general populace don't like it. I mean, I think possibly Premier Rugby. Is, is wrong in that view because it's a fantastic competition that scrimmaging and even if you don't quite understand everything that's going on in oh, that front row what a, what a I, I could sit and watch it for 15 minutes it's, it's brilliant have, have and I think to, a lot of rugby fans could have you spoken to Rob Webber about scrimmaging yet do it oh really do it he loves it does he yeah, yeah well I'm not yeah so he should <laughs> so he should I think he's good at it as well mm. uh, yeah I think it's a so, so the, all, part of the, all parts of the game I think is brilliant as a business it's, it's still in its infancy um, and it needs to become self-sustaining but to be fair football for years and, and still in some terms isn't self-sustaining you've just got a load of rich people who want to throw money at it and I say that Jed and I have just decided to throw money at it too so, so we'll invest millions of our own money over the next few years in the hope we can get, we can get to the top and then the crowds will come and we don't have to keep doing that which, to be fair, I suppose, is what everybody else thinks. Um, why do you think it is, when you've got such a great product, such a great spectacle, that rugby clubs fail to make money? Um, well, because it's not, it's not a sport of the people, or hasn't been historically. I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert, but I'll bet you 5% of the, of the UK's population understand rugby, whereas... 70% of them understand football but we do see it with football I mean you alluded to alluded, alluded to it before Manchester City don't make, don't make profit um, well I think no I think they do actually don't they but but to be fair Manchester City are in a in a transition phase aren't they I've been a Manchester City fan for about 40 years and let me tell you that that's uh, not, not an easy experience but the um, the uh, Caldoun has come in he's looked at investing proper money in the short term and he really has invested proper money for a long-term benefit for the game, so I think City long-term already they have to be self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. Now um, you, they're trying to become a more established club, like United are, for instance. Yeah. United are profitable. United are self-sustaining. That's a that's a great business model and a fun, and a fantastic brand, as much as I probably would like to admit it. City will City will follow that, and I think possibly overtake it because these uh, these oil guys do have quite a lot of money, don't they? They have, uh, yeah, they have a bit knocking about. Yeah. Um, so when you look at the football teams across the way, uh, what lessons, if any, are you going to take take from them and apply apply to rugby? Yeah, to, 
be honest, I've not studied them enough, and I don't, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd be able to study them enough to, to, to learn lessons. It's, it's we've got a combination of um, considerable business experience from our side and considerable rugby experience, um, led by Steve Diamond, and, and and he's no fool in business either. So I think between us, um, we, 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 we can make, we can get this to be a success. Uh, but to be fair, it's it's. It, it, it does all depend eventually on the crowd because if you've got five or six thousand which we have you, you're struggling to fund you're struggling to fund a squad that can stay in the premiership yeah if you've got fifteen thousand players coming in you've you've got you've got a team competing at the top um. cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now you are an owner, um, do, you, do, do you guys ever get together as, a, as an owner's group? Yeah. Yeah, there are every six weeks or eight weeks I think it is okay. the owners get together because this is a, an aspect that I've never really heard about I mean, obviously I've interviewed players coaches journalists I've never interviewed an owner so um, when you go to the owners groups what, what is usually what is usually discussed um, well the, the, the sport in general the, the 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 way we can get on the way we can improve things um, the, the 12 owners are effectively shareholders in the same business yeah so, but it's made up of 12 different businesses, each with their own um, loyalties. So it, it, it's not easy, but overall, these people are pretty good people and pretty sensible. And whilst they've got different views and they're at different stages of development, most most of these guys see it's for the, we need to act together for the common good. So, it's yeah, it's quite interesting. Listen, I've only been to a couple of meetings. I've, I've um, Franz attended for us, Steve's attended on another occasion so I'm by far an expert but uh, so far yes Do you have any views on like, the stru- on structural issues for instance one I love to talk about all the time is um, is the salary cap and how that can help make the game as a whole more, um, more sustainable and ultimately profitable Absolutely it, it's vital it's vital to the game before I got involved um, the majority of the owners wanted to try and keep pace with, with France uh, who spend absolute fortune so the salary cap I believe was higher than it should have been yes. it's probably higher than it should be now and, and the, it manifests that manifests itself in everybody losing a load of money uh, I, I think the English game probably will never be able to compete financially with Europe and I don't think we need to try I think we've got a, a great product in ourselves most of the guys um, money's important but most of the guys want to play for England and if you want to play for England I think the RFU were right, you have to play in England and that keeps our stars in and we can then afford two or three world-beating stars on, on big money to, to, to keep the glamour there uh, 
but yeah, it's 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 it'd be great if we could have a worldwide or certainly a European wide salary cap, but I don't, I don't suspect that's going to happen. That's a tough ask, isn't it? It is it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask. There again, uh, you know, my views on salary cap are it makes the, the competition of the Premiership the best competition. Whereas you might get better players in France, but the competition is rubbish. Yeah, but to protect the English game, so I don't know. Just to make it simple, let's say. Let's say we said, right, you can only pay 200 grand to a player. Yeah. Um, we'd lose 30 of our best UK players because they'd all go and earn 600 grand, wouldn't they, playing for France? And they and let's face it, they might. If you could earn 200 grand, but it was a great competition for the fans, or 600,000, and it wasn't such a great competition, you've got a responsibility to yourself and your family, you'd go, wouldn't you? And who, and who can blame them? Yeah, I mean that, that. So that's why we have to consider handling Europe and France when we talk about salary caps. You've also got this rather kind of double-edged sword, which is in, in English rugby. Yes. So English rugby is brilliant, I suppose, because it basically tops up players' players' salaries and it's an incentive to stay in the UK. On the other hand, you're losing some of your most valuable assets at some of the most important times of the season. Yeah, let's 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 bear in mind the RFU have all of this money because we're providing the sport. Yeah. So so without without the Premiership, the, the RFU wouldn't exist because you couldn't have an England team without Premiership. So so we are interdependent on each other, um, and and yeah, we we get for supplying players to England, we get paid. It's probably not worth financially. It's not worth it, but sport is also a passion and it's love and. and we want our young lads playing for England. Um, historically, I think they've not been looked at, or, or it's it's been perceived we've not been looked at well. But that's definitely changed. I think we had six or seven yeah. guys. I know it was a large year, but we had six or seven of them there or thereabouts. And I think we're gonna we're gonna form a strong part. I think we're 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 form a stronger part of the under twenties and under eighteens as as anyone because uh, we've got a great academy. And I think that will continue. And. That will also help us move up the league. So we've got to be fighting in the top four rather than fighting to stay in the in the Premiership. Now, I've read as much stuff about you as I possibly can before coming here. And the phrase that keeps on coming up, come on saying, is deal maker. So when did it dawn on you that owning sales an option, and then what steps did you take to kind of make this deal happen? How did you do it? Uh, so, well, I know Brian Kennedy, who's been fantastic for sale. I think he owned it for 16 years, yeah. and he put, he put his heart and soul into it, and, and not a considerable amount of money. Uh, and, and I think, I think he left. He left. He's been living in New York and um, the Bahamas for a while. So his enthusiasm had waned. Um, he'd mentioned it once or twice over the years. If he'd had a drink or, or whatever. Um, Steve Diamond, obviously, you. Brian was interested in selling, so he'd always had it on his agenda. So it just, I suppose, came at the right time when the TV deal had been done and the money from the RFU and Premier Rugby was going up. Because to be fair, if the if it was still if the business was still losing two or three million pounds a year before I'd have bought it, I wouldn't have bought it. I don't want to be funding that sort of that. But um, the business had been run well. We had gone up. We could actually, we could actually have a profitable club now. Is that right? Yeah, we could. 
Um, so, so I think through through good management, the club was maybe lost maybe lost I don't know, a million pounds the year before we bought it. Um, and the t- the tea the t- with with all the new deals in place, we're probably getting one and a half or two million pounds a year more in central funding than we, than we were. So if we'd have kept spending, so if Steve was spending something like four million quid on the squad. Uh, if we keep spending that, we'd make money. Yeah, it'd be profitable. Uh, but we don't want to be. We don't want to be fighting to stay in the Premiership, do we? So we we're, we're, go on. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, without giving away any any of the state secrets, then what are you currently spending on, on the squad? Um, more more than four million, actually. Yeah. Well, put it this way: this season we're spending more on the squad than Sale have ever spent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 it's, it's comfortably more than fifty percent extra of what we were spending. And and again. I, I, it's possible. I'm aware I could be falling into the same trap as, or Jed and I could be falling into the same trap as, as other owners, whereby we'll we'll invest heavily for a few years in the hope that we can build our crowds and build our income, uh, and, and we might fail at that, and we might just lose a load of money like a lot of the other people have. But but I think if we can provide top class rugby, it, I think we can find ten or twelve thousand people to to come to our games, as well if we get everything else right, which we're working on. Also, you can never get everything right when you talk about fans. They're a they're a passionate bunch, but at least the um, with rugby fans, they're usually pretty measured and pretty sensible and pretty intelligent as well, yeah. which I've um, I've, I've uh, not found surprising, but I've found enjoyable. Well, I mean, the one thing you'd say about sale on a match day is the stands aren't always as full as you'd like, but the corporate, uh, the corporate side is absolutely bouncing. Yeah, they've 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 been really good at selling the corporate out, and that provides a backbone of income for us. But we can only sell so much corporate. Mm. The real sustainability for a club like Sale is is filling the ground. So we have to mix and match. So for instance, this year we're playing a few games at the beginning of the season on a Friday night, which the corporates prefer, and a few games probably at the end of the season. Um, I think overall we're playing seven Friday night games. Which, because we, we we've got to look after corporates as well, and the other, I think there are nine more games, including Anglo Welsh in Europe, through the winter when the weather's worse. We'll be playing at weekends, mm. uh, unless we might get the odd TD makers move the odd one, but most of the time it'll be Saturdays and some Sunday games. And if we can significantly get significantly more crowds, then we will move. We will move more, and we'll have to find corporates who don't mind coming on a Saturday and Sunday. Now, the name Jed Mason has been mentioned a few times in in this interview, but our wider rugby listenership, who is Jed? So Jed's a, um, a friend of mine. Is I've known him for a few years. He uh, he's got a family business, very successful family business, the Mawson Group. Um, he's he got interested in rugby later than I did, but he got interested in rugby. The opportunity came up, and he's jumped in. He's been a lifelong United fan, he's, he's been heavily involved in United, um, but already, he might not thank me for saying this, already I think he's uh, he's more pro-sale, well definitely <laughs> he's pro-sale now, yeah he loves it, so he's come in as another investor with me, uh, and it just takes away the bit of pain, and, yeah. and it allows us to invest to uh, improve the squad together. And are you two the only, the only shareholders? Um, no, as long as um, we, we make we uh, hit certain targets, then Steve Diamond and Mark Quato will both be shells of sale. That's a very interesting business 
it is, it is. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't have bought this club if it wasn't for Steve mm-hmm. originally. I think he's, um, I think what he's achieved over, and not only at Sale, wherever he's been, he's always done really well. But at Sale, is he's had great achievement on a, on a limited budget. I mean, I don't know if people realise we were. Spe- I think we were probably spending less than half of what a lot of teams were spending, and and. Um, I don't know if you worked at his average finishing position might be seventh or something. Yeah, I don't know. It, well, he's only finished outside the top six four times, I believe. Well, yeah, there you go, and that's spending hard. And let's face it, what you spend on the squad really matters in, in this game. Yeah. So I think he's done really well. Um, I believe, given the budget, and I, I work with him. To be fair, sometimes probably not to his not to his uh, enjoyment, but I work with him on on planning to build the squad and, and what we spend. Uh, and I think if he's as good at with a bigger budget as he is with a smaller budget it's not going to take him long to get us to uh, compete in the top four completely agree we've spoke already about bringing players in and obviously that is important you need that extra bit of star quality but I think one of the things they've done remarkably well over the last few years is bringing in youngsters and doing so without a particularly strong academy setup. it's more an eye for Academy, have they? Uh, to be fair, though, you're right. I've judged how good our academy is historically on the number of players we produce, which, as you say, might be if we're, we're better at it or yeah. somebody's got a better eye. I don't know, but we've heavily invested in the academy. Uh, I think we were rated number two in, in the in the country, uh, and we will keep investing in the academy because, again, sustainability. If we can build the players and build them in our modes, it'll be better for us. Um, new rules since I've got involved because as a fan um, anybody who's a fan will know this they're pretty sick and tired of, of creating helping to create these players and losing to yeah. losing to uh, what do the fans call it the, the sale reserves or whatever it is <laughs> yeah um, so we won't be losing any more players uh, and it's this simple if we're going to invest time and money to make you a player and we do it better than most because if, if, you, if you've been building in a load of stars you have to play in them don't you yeah, exactly. and the youngsters very rarely get a chance so the fact that they get an opportunity and we help develop them develop these players really helps them we're not going to do that for two years and then you go somewhere else you're signing long term and we've, we've put a system in place we don't we don't keep these players cheaply if they if they succeed they earn yeah. so, so we've got a we've got a good system in place so the players are do well out of it and we get we get rewarded for bringing these players on. And is that something you've changed since, since you've come on board? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Um, so just sell a little bit for the next two or three years of how things are going to be different in different sale. Uh, well, I think we've got a much stronger squad. Um, we've the year I came in, we, 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 I think we brought in June, so Steve had done most of the recruitment under the old regime. Uh, and I think it was 10 or 12 players in. There was a, there were a lot of players gone, and we brought a load of new players in. We've had the same this year. A lot of players gone, brought players in. But but I think next year I'm hoping we'll have it'll be two or three, because stability and and these guys working together over the long term is what's going to help. We've got a fantastic core of players. I mean, the young players who've been with with us for a while now. There's Will Addison and Ross Harrison, Mike Haley, Josh Bowman. The players can great. Oh, Sam James. It, it's just it's unbelievable number of quality. Um, 
Jennings is is, is, is fucking fantastic. We, we've got a real good core of, of players, uh, and we're now trying to add. Previously, we've added players in, and Steve's has to do it on a budget. Now we're at, now we're adding better quality players in, at which I think the combination will will be more than the sum of its parts. Which is why I think they'll all end up playing for England, and we're going to have to we'll have our own troubles then replacing <laughs> yeah. them for half the year. Well, yeah, that's that is a bad problem. Uh, now, we did mention earlier your other business your other business interests. Yeah. Is it fair to say that there is a little bit more passion involved in running a sports team than there might be, for instance, a plant hire company yeah, or a glass think, company? I think you might be right about that. That is for sure. So yeah, this is a this is a combination. Well, the the, the, the deal I've done with with Corp, I can offer is if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, I'll end up taking it over because I don't want the other shareholders to to be paying for my for my passion or my folly. Uh, but yeah, it's absolutely, um, it's the least profitable business currently than, than anything we've, we've ever been involved in, but it's certainly the most enjoyable, that's for sure. So yeah, I've definitely, uh, I think it's, it's fair to say I bought it as a, a fan rather than a... <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Strategic-wise business investment. Excellent. 